Marriage. I don't know what you think about when you hear that word. Uh, Earlier in the week, I told Lauren, I'm talking about marriage this Sunday. What do you think that I should say about it? And she said, well, I hope that you'll at least say that you're for it. And, uh, and let the record show that I am for marriage. Uh, having been married for 10 years, I highly recommend it. I am a fan of it. And that was another thought that I had. You know, what gives me the right to get up here and talk about marriage to couples out there who've been married for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years? Uh, you know, compared to some of you, I am still in the, in the shallow end. But I'm going to tell you this morning what I know and what I believe the Scriptures have to say about marriage. I'll do the best I can. You know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, when they hear this word marriage, what they connect it with is controversy. We've been called to uphold God's vision for marriage Well, as stated by Jesus in the reading that we heard earlier, Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, this is our text, and you're welcome to turn there with me so that you can consult it. It'll be up here on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 6. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Those are the words of Christ. That is located in the Holy Scriptures. That is God's vision of marriage that He has called us to uphold today, but in today's world, it's tough. We find ourselves fighting against softening views on marriage and divorce. We hear in many studies today that the divorce rate in our country is as low now as it's been since the late 70s. That may come as a surprise to you, but there are actually studies out there that that, uh, attest to that. And so that's good news. And we should celebrate and rejoice over that good news. But one of the reasons for that is less people today are getting married. Ever. More people today are living together, uh, cohabitating, as we call it. And so there's good news and there's bad news. There are fewer divorces today than there have been in many, many years, but there are also fewer marriages because people don't view marriage with the same level of importance as they used to. And sometimes we even have to fight against softening views on marriage and divorce in the church. We fight against, in our society, the redefinition of marriage. Jesus, in our text, defines marriage as existing between one male and one female. But according to the government of these United States, marriage is not just between a male and female. It can also exist between a male and a male, or a female and a female. And so when we think about marriage, a lot of us just think about the fight that we have on our hands. Uh, The fact that we've been called to stand up for this ideal, this vision for marriage that God puts forth in the Scriptures. But it's hard because there's so many people who don't see it that way anymore. And so all the time, we we are having to stand up for what we believe is right regarding marriage. We get so busy fighting for marriage that I think sometimes we neglect the fact Marriage is a blessing. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, Paul calls marriage a gift from God. Marriage is a great blessing from God. I'm not hearing many amens out there. For those of you who are married and married life has been a, a blessing for you, let me try this again. Marriage is a gift from God. I mean, we especially need to hear the husbands give that a hearty amen. All right? And if your husband didn't, he deserves a big you know, elbow into the rib. Marriage is a gift from God. You know what else call, Paul calls a gift from God in 1 Corinthians 7? 7? Singleness. Celibacy. Paul was single and celibate, and he says that is also a gift from God. Both marriage and singleness have great benefits, and you can be a devoted follower of Jesus in either station in life, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. But that is another sermon. Today, we're talking about marriage. Yes, we must stand up for God's vision for marriage. No question about it. The Hebrews writer famously says, let marriage be held in honor among all. And today, the fact is, marriage is not honored. Marriage is not upheld in our society like it ought to be. And so it falls to us to direct people back to the will of God, back to God's vision for marriage. But I believe firmly that one of the best ways that we do that, one of the best ways that we fight and stand up for marriage is by showing the world committed, healthy, happy Christian marriages. I mean, what good are our arguments about marriage if our own marriages are dysfunctional? Or worse, if they're falling apart? I mean, all of these arguments just fall on deaf ears if people in the world can look inside the church and see just a bunch of broken marriages. If they look inside the church and they see that Christ really hasn't changed our lives all that much. Now listen, I know that divorce happens. I know that that sins are committed. And we have in our audience today victims of divorce. And I am not preaching this sermon to to try to beat you down in any way. I understand that it happens. We live uh, in a broken world. My job this morning is to, again, as we've been saying, lift up God's vision for marriage. Hold it high so that we can draw the world back to what God tells us in His holy word. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is a gift, but it doesn't feel that way to everybody. We bring into our marriages our woundedness, our brokenness. Because there are only broken people in the world, there are only broken people who get married. Now, if you get married later in life, or if, you, if your spouse passes away and you remarry, and you've been a devoted follower of Christ For many, many years, maybe you've had time to work through a lot of your personal issues and your brokenness. But especially, I think, if you get married young, like we did at 22, you bring a lot of junk into that union. We bring into our marriages the the troublesome, maybe even traumatic events of our childhood. All of that nasty stuff from our childhood. It comes with us into marriage and into our new family. We bring into our marriages... Our sexual brokenness. Everybody or most people struggle with sexual brokenness in some way when they enter marriage. That comes along with it. At the very least, when we marry, we're selfish, we're guarded, we're afraid of being fully known, 
We're not interested in giving up some of the things that we love for the sake of our spouse. So we bring all of that stuff into our marriages and make no mistake, a marriage that is not focused on the Lord can deepen, can only deepen these wounds, can only exacerbate the brokenness. However, a godly, God-centered marriage where both husband and wife are focused on maturing and growing in the Lord, a marriage like that can be a salve that God uses to bring spiritual healing. In this way, marriage is a beautiful gift from God. Marriage has great potential to help us mature in our faith, sometimes in unpleasant ways, sometimes in painful ways, but in ways that benefit us as believers. Marriage can be a powerful tool that God uses to form us spiritually. Marriage can increase our awareness of our sin. Have you had this experience in marriage? Nothing quite like marriage to bring all of your sins and and bad behavior and sinful habits up to the surface. I mean, when you join your life to someone else, they get to see, they get to see all. All of you. I mean, the the warts and the flaws and all the messy stuff, there's no hiding it in marriage. Marriage is a place where, well, it's a great setting in which we can confess our sins to one another and be healed from our sinfulness and our brokenness. Marriage is a wonderful context in which James 5.16 can be practiced. Confess your sins one to another, forgiving one another so that you may be healed. Marriage can bring to us an awareness of our sins and lead us through a process by which we become more holy and Christ-like and more mature in our faith. But it's not always, it's not always pleasant to have to face our sins head on, to have to have our spouse say, look, you've got some stuff going on in your life and you need, to, you need to handle it and I want to help you. Marriage can teach us to be better servants. You know, when you get married, you can't just do anything you want to do anymore. You can't just go, go out and uh, enjoy every hobby that you once enjoyed. You have to think about the other person. Your time is not just yours anymore. You are sharing it with your spouse. And if you resist becoming a better servant in your marriage, show me a marriage where that's taking place and I'll show you a marriage that is not going to last much longer. Marriage can make us better servants. And even deeper than that, marriage can form us in the ways of sacrificial love. What does the Bible say? There's no greater love than for a person to lay down his or her life for a friend. And what better friend is there than a spouse? God can use marriage to teach us about servanthood and loving selflessly and sacrificially as God has loved us. But marriage is a gift in many other ways. Marriage provides comfort. I think about the story in Genesis chapter 24 when Isaac is mourning the loss of his dear mother, Sarah. He's just very upset about it. In deep grief. And then he meets Rebecca. And he and Rebecca marry And the Bible in Genesis 24 says it is through this union that he finds great comfort after the loss of his mother. 
Marriage can be a source of wonderful comfort for us when we face various difficulties in our lives. When our world is falling apart, the comfort we receive from a loving spouse, it's indispensable. It's irreplaceable. Having a shoulder to lean on and to cry on when we face tough stuff in life, the comfort that accompanies a warm, loving marriage, it's one of the reasons that marriage is a great gift from God. And marriage is also a gift from God because it brings companionship. Why did God establish marriage in the first place? Do you remember the observation that he made all the way back at the beginning of Genesis? He observes man and he says it is not good that the man should be alone. That's Genesis 2.18. There are hundreds of thousands of creatures that God has created that Adam has helped to name and yet not one of them is a match for Adam. Not one of them provides the companionship that Adam so desperately needs and longs for. Not one of them can can be a companion, a, a partner, a friend to Adam like he needs. So Adam is very lonely. It is not good that the man should be alone. I think about a poem by Wendell Berry called Except. Berry, having been married for many, many years, an older gentleman, he says, now that you have gone, speaking to his wife, and I am alone and quiet, My contentment would be complete if I did not wish you were here so I could say how good it is, Tanya, to be alone and quiet. Even when we want seclusion and and even when we want solitude and, and when we want to be alone, we still within ourselves long for someone with whom to share our aloneness. And that is why God has created marriage. For companionship. And it's one of the reasons that marriage is the wonderful gift that it is. Now in all these ways and more, marriage is a precious gift from God. But experiencing the full blessings of the gift of marriage, now that requires some effort. Some hard work. Do you remember those warm, fuzzy feelings Back, way back when, maybe way, way back, when you fell in love for the first time. Or maybe even when you first got married, on the honeymoon or in the honeymoon phase. Those are precious memories for me, and I guess they are for Lauren. I haven't asked her lately. Hopefully they are. I remember those feelings of falling in love. We got together in the summer of 03, started dating. Right after our senior year of high school, I remember going on a mission trip with Lauren down to the Dominican Republic. And there was something about the heat down there, I guess, that drew us to one another. We fell for one another. And I remember those late night talks and, and seeing each other in a different way. And I remember falling in love with Lauren. And there's something magical about those feelings. And there's something about those feelings that you just can't quite recapture. I get it. I remember, but what I want to say to you is something that I have not yet learned, but that I am learning, and that by faith, I believe, is out somewhere in front of me, and that is 
that there is something deeper and richer and better after you have endured and persevered and been through some tough stuff, but stuck it out with your spouse. And, and many of you who have been married for many years, and some of you maybe you're thinking about your marriage, your spouse has since passed, you can attest to this. As magical and as nice as those feelings were, what came after many years of hard work and commitment and sticking in there through the tough times was even better than it was at the beginning. It was richer, it was fuller, it was deeper. That's what I'm talking about. Those are the full blessings of the gift that I'm referring to. That which only is developed through the hard work, the day-to-day grind of marriage, the waking up every day and saying again, I do. I do. Staying true to your vows. You know, it's been almost a year since our sister Jean Boyd passed away. Jim and Jean, I remember, celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary up at our local ICU. And I remember Jim tirelessly cared for Jean in her final days. And that's saying a lot for a 90-plus-year-old man. He got little sleep. He rarely left her side. He probably didn't eat as much as he should have. He cared for her until the very end. And I remember sitting with Jim at Jean's visitation and... We were on the front pew up there at Moore Courtner looking at the picture slideshow. And as the pictures passed by from 70 years of life together, he said, she's a mighty beautiful woman to be married to all those years. And he said, if I could do it all over again, all 70 years of it, I would in a heartbeat. The fullness of the gift of marriage can only be enjoyed by working at it. Day after day, week after week, year after year, persevering and enduring through the tough times, but linking arms and tackling life together. You see, the garden must be tilled and weeded and mulched to bring forth beautiful blooms and a bountiful harvest. But I haven't yet touched on the greatest gift of marriage. We've talked about some really beautiful blessings that marriage can bring forth in our lives. But do you know the greatest gift of marriage? It's the fact that marriage provides us a living image of Christ's love for His church. That's Bible. That's from the book of Ephesians, the writing of Paul, chapter 5. A couple years ago, we had a lovely wedding take place in our backyard. I don't know if many of you were aware of this. My daughter Elise was the bride, and her first cousin Owen was the groom. Is that still legal in the state of Tennessee? Uh, And her older cousin Luke was the officiant. And I have a picture of this, but I forgot to put it on my slideshow. I'll show it to you later. Luke is there, and I don't know how old he is, six or seven. He's got his Bible open. He's got one of my suit jackets on him, draped over him, hanging off of him. And he begins the ceremony in this way. He says, marriage is not about the kissing, the beautiful wife, or the handsome man. Marriage is about love. And about that time, the groom fell over onto the blanket, and the bride fell off, and everything fell apart. And actually, it didn't go through. 
despite his fine introduction, Luke, Luke was on to something. In fact, I would say he's exactly right. Marriage is about love. But it's not about just any kind of love. Marriage is about demonstrating divine love. And so for Christian married couples, the calling is maybe even higher than we realize. Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32 says, this mystery is profound. What I'm telling you, I mean, it goes into the depths of understanding the mind of God. But he says, what I'm telling you is true. I'm saying that marriage refers to Christ and the church, to Christ's love for the church, to the church's devotion to Christ. Marriage is to be a picture of that. Marriage at its best provides a glimpse into God's love for his people. A foretaste. Uh, Just a small sampling of the kind of love that God possesses for his children. So tonight at 6 o'clock, you have a chance to come back and to dig even deeper into some of the topics that we have discussed this morning regarding marriage. And I hope that you will. There's much more that we can say, much more that we can learn about our marriages. If you have a perfect marriage, I don't expect that we'll see you tonight. I don't guess there's a reason for you to be there. But if your marriage needs work, could use to be improved like ours can, then I hope that you'll come back. And even if you're not married, I think there will be something for you to learn as well. Marriage is to be a picture of God's love for us. And if you've been coming here for any amount of weeks, if you've been to church at all in the past, this does not come as news to you. This is not novel. The fact that God loves you We learn this from the very beginning of our lives in church, from singing Jesus Loves Me as children. But this morning, I want this to fall on your ears as fresh news. The fact that God invites you today to receive His love, a love that will deliver you from death and eternal destruction that sin brings, a love that will woo you again and again back to His side, a love that will transform you into the person that He wants you to be and that you were made to be. This morning, the invitation of love is on the, on the table. The invitation to receive God's love and to experience His love. You'll be blessed if you do. And we would love for anybody to come This morning, if they have not yet been baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, this is your day. You can come in a moment as we stand and sing our song, and you can make that great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you can go down into that water, the old person, and up a brand new, white as snow believer, having received eternal life. Or if you need the prayers of this Church family, if you need the forgiveness of God today, if your life has gone off track as a believer, this is a chance for you as well to come. Would you do that as we stand and sing?